In this week's episode, Jason Mike's origin story, he teaches you how to bench over 600 pounds, gives us a glimpse into his life. This is Chalk My Back. Probably yes. as old as you guys are, but it was literally like one of the worst experiences in ten dollars I've ever spent in my life. It was ten roast beef sandwiches for ten dollars. So this probably was in the eighties or some shit. Why would no, you I mean, get? Hold the yeah. wait. Hold the phone. What? Why did you get ten roast a, beef sandwiches? Ten for ten? It was a ten for ten. So I bought it. You know what I'm saying? So I just <laughs> got it and I wound up giving it to some homeless dude. Uh, wait, hold on. Uh, did you try to eat all ten no. at the same time? <laughs> No, but it was so cheap. I was just like, well, shit. I think I forgot however the situation was. I think I don't know ex- exactly what happened, but it was a 10 for 10. And I, you know how like if you go to like Kroger or something, they say 10 for 10. But technically, you don't have to buy 10 to get it for a dollar a piece. I kind of <laughs> yeah, was in one of those. Like five, I, yeah. yeah, I think it was in one of those kind of situations. And I wound <laughs> up just getting it, not realizing it. And then I bit into one and I was just like, oh, my oh so you God, bit into one and it was game over. <laughs> Oh, it was, it was a wrap. I was good on that. See, I like... It wasn't no Jersey Mike's. Well, I, and I do like some <laughs> Jersey Mike's. But I, the thing is with Arby's, it started out as a meme where we had... I don't know where we got it from, where the reference, we just kind of was were mentioning it. Because I think we just started talking about like trash uh, fast food places and how um, these guys, they I don't know if you know, but Jack in the Box has uh, two for a dollar tacos. that They're not really tacos. They're more like raviolis because the, the seal around the tortilla edges are like they're sealed because they're fried and like there's just a bean yeah, yeah. meat pouch in the middle uh but you can't oh, do complain. they still fry the lettuce as well yes uh, yes they do oh, fry the lettuce. Mike, you that's are all fried. a man of culture yeah, i see I yes you, the, see iceberg lettuce fried but that's how we got to it we started talking about jack in the box and then we then talked about arby's um yeah. under underrated underrated i guess but um jay jay mike I'm a cook, welcome. so that doesn't work welcome to the podcast everybody uh let's welcome uh jason mike welcome jay yeah. welcome still, still. welcome glad to be here glad to be here awesome thank you so much for being here so jay you are known for being one of the best benchers in the world um i'm not going to give you a chance to try to disagree with me on that you definitely are a bench expert i mean looking at in competition the heaviest bench 619 and a half pounds Yes, and yes. and you and you're currently on you're currently on route to hitting 700. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm a I'm a take baby steps and say uh, 300 kg is what I mean. Yeah, 300 kg is what we're on course for competition, and that'll be the IPF full meet world record and uh, individual single lift and USAPL um, single lift as well i already hold the american record for the full meet with the 619 that was at ipf worlds i broke the open world record and then it got destroyed like seven days later i'm going to try to you know claim and get back all my uh (laughs) all my little glory yeah and i mean i'd I'd like to dig a little bit into your training because i know that as as of recording today you've hit 500 uh pounds for 10 reps uh just in training that happened today that was a a life, a lifetime, um, or I'm not going to say lifetime, but it was uh, something that uh, a guy, one of the people, when I first got into powerlifting, like in 2014, um, this guy, he, he, Anthony Clark Duncan, I think his name is Anthony Clark. He was like the greatest bencher of all time until like this new crop, like the Julius Maddoxes and Eric Spoto's of the world. He, um, he actually passed away like really young, but he was like the bench master and the guy who worked with him um 
is a guy from Houston. And when I told people that I wanted to put a 500 pound bench press in competition on my resume, I just wanted to, you know, I was doing table tennis. I'm like, look, I want to bench 500 Mm -hmm. and I don't want it to be like a lie and say like my dad did to me was like, yeah, I benched 700 pounds, like Will Chamberlain type (laughs) stories. So I wanted to put it, I wanted to put it on paper in a competition. So the guy was like, well, Hey, I know a guy that you should talk to. So uh, his name was Johnny Means, and he had me meet with him. And he was telling me, he said, listen, if you ever want to bench, you know, 500, he said, you could bench 500, but he said, if you ever want to bench 600 pounds, one of the keys to doing 600 pounds, you have to be able to bench 500 for 10. So for years, I was literally trying to do 500 for 10 for a 600-pound bench press. But then after a while, I realized 600 pounds uh, 500 for 10 is more like 660, you know what I'm saying? Or a 640 or something like that. And, um, I tried and I did right before IPF worlds and I broke the world record. I did it for nine. And, um, today one of my followers was like, yo, uh, I know you've been hitting, you hit 624 double and all that. He said, how much you can you do 500 for 10? Oh, can you do it for 10? I said, I probably can. And I, and I've been benching four days in a row over 600 pounds. So I was like, I'll just try it as a warm up. And when I got to eight, I'm like, this is nothing. You were like, let's keep so going. Then I probably, like, honestly, if I was fresh, I think I could do it for 15. So let's, let, let's talk about that 2014 meet for a second, because that was a 2014 American powerlifting federation, Texas challenge, right? Oh uh, yeah, it was yes, the APF. It was, it was the APF Texas challenge back in 2014. To put it into perspective yeah. for the listeners, uh, J. Mike benched 501 and a half pounds as his third attempt. Uh, and the second highest bench that day was like 424 or 429.9 pounds. So it's like, I can only imagine what's going through the person mine who's going right before you, the second heaviest bench, who's just their opener or their third attempt was less than your opener. I mean, did you already know that you were a bench specialist at that point? Man, this is like a crazy little story. But um, at the time, I thought anybody who benched more than me was on drugs, like literally on drugs. Like (laughs) I I was like, there's no way anybody else in the world benches more than me. So I go and look at the record books and I'm like 300, 310, three this three that I'm like, I'm going to destroy these people. So I almost got in trouble with that particular meet because I didn't understand KG. So these records were 300 KG and all this kind of stuff. So I said, I'm opening at 468. And the lady was like, wait, 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 what pounds or KG? And I didn't know the difference. I'm like, I'm like, 483 pounds and she was like that's not kg and when i was like oh i didn't realize the Mm -hmm. difference at the time i know the difference between a kg and a pound but at the time i just didn't know so i was like oh shit i'm like not that good you know what i'm saying like people are way above me (laughs) yeah well so uh the guy a guy actually tricked me his name is jeff yonker and me and him have had a lot of big beefs over the years but he kind of tricked me out of that spot i entered as a submaster a submaster or something weird that meet. I didn't enter the open. No, I you think didn't. I entered as a submaster. Mm-hmm. He told me, he said, Well, I wouldn't do it as an open. I would do it as a submaster. So he wound up winning the open with a 429 or whatever because yep. I he told me not to enter. So I wound up not entering uh that part of the meet, not knowing what was going on. And um, I remember I had just benched 500 like a couple of weeks before that. So I just wanted to try to do it in competition. I had a little help 
and um, I opened, I believe, at 468. And that 468 is, or whatever that, 468, 467, whatever that number is, that is an important number. That's the last time I've ever taken any bench press under 500 pounds ever mm-hmm. in a competition. So that was the only time I've ever attempted under 500 pounds in a competition. But uh, I wound up missing my second with 500 pounds and was like, oh my God, why, why did I do that? Because I didn't understand like the pause commands and all that kind of stuff. And I was lucky enough to get it on my third attempt. Uh, after that, that actually kind of channeled me into full competitive um, powerlifting because the guy came up to me. and was like, hell of a bench, man. He's like, what you about to pull? And I was like, pull? He was <laughs> like, yeah. He was like, you got deadlift next, right? I said, I don't do that. I came to bench press. And he's like, oh, like he was disappointed. And I was like, why you look at me? Why you say it like that? He said, well, the guy you just beat on bench is about to go deadlift. And he said he had to squat before that. So you just beating him on benches kind of like, be honest with you, no disrespect. It's not that impressive. Mm. So I was like, what? And I said, so what? So what are you talking about? He said, you squat, you bench, and then you deadlift. So I didn't even understand the the order in terms of how you go. I thought you battled it out until someone couldn't bench anymore. I, I literally thought it was like that. So <laughs> the guy explained to me. I said, well, what's a good number? And he said, for a guy your size, 1,800 pounds would be a good number. I was like, okay, okay. And I said, well, what's a great number? And he said, shit, 2,000. And I was like, all right. I said, look, next year at this meet, I'm going to have a 2,000-pound total. We bet $300. A year later, I had a 2,000-pound total when I when I seen the guy again. And he paid me. But that was that's what got me into um, um, full power, that little bet and argument. So mm-hmm. I started from there. And then um, – I just started training and the my, keep in mind, I had never uh, squatted more than 225 pounds, you what, know. So ever. what, what made you want to so. get into powerlifting for that meet specifically? Cause again, that was, that was 2014. It was a federation that probably a lot of people listening now didn't know existed. Uh, you were 37 and you were already able to bench as an opener over 450 pounds. Like what, what made you get that itch to start competing? And then from there, just take off the guy there's a guy uh, so this is actually a, a this is part of my story i guess and you know i've told it before but there was a guy at this gym i was at and um he was just like he said man your bench press is amazing he said i've never he's like what drugs are you on i was like i don't take anything he was just like man you're a god gift that he said i see you jumping around and doing all this stuff and you could do this he said you should do powerlifting. And I was like, probably. I was like, what's that? And he says, look, it's a sport where you put this stuff on. And when you put it on, it allows you to lift like hundreds of pounds more than you can without it. I was like, I don't want to do that. That's whack. You know what I'm saying? And he was like, <laughs> yeah. no. He said, no, no, it's amazing. He said, with your bench press, he says, I bench press 650 pounds. I'm looking at him like, what? He says, yeah. I said, well, what can you? He said, with a shirt. I was like, with a shirt? I was like, I don't want to wear that. He says, look. You bench 450 pounds. He said, with a shirt, you could probably bench seven, 800 pounds. And he was just so excited. I was like, I will never do that. And um, Why not, I though? wind up leaving. Well, I, you have to, if you, if you know anything about if well, my background is a little, it's a little off and a little different. I've like challenges. Like I picked up skateboarding at 34 years old. I, I got sponsored. I had sponsors for skateboarding. I had never skated in my life, picked it up, got <laughs> decent at it. And I wasn't great. I just got good and people followed my journey. I picked up 
BMX at 35 years old. I was doing table tennis. I was, I was getting to the point where I was competitive in table tennis. I had played uh, college level tennis. I serve in a 130s in tennis. I drive a golf ball 400 yards. I can dunk from the free throw line. Like I've done so many things. I didn't want anything that felt like I was cheating. So hearing mm. equipped, I thought that that was cheating. Now, in retrospect, I am going to do some equipped lifting um, in, a, in the coming year if I can get the sponsorship situation taken care of. But at the time, I just didn't have an understanding. And then looking at him, I was like, you're just some fat dude, old fat dude on steroids. Ah, uh, yes, powerlifting. You know, back, in, I don't, back in the yeah, early so, 2000s, so I, yes. Oh, it was crazy. So I didn't, I kind of just didn't want to get involved in it. And um, I wound up leaving that gym. The guy, I see him at another gym, like like three, four months later. And now I'm, I've been trying, I posted just now. I hit my first 500 bench the day before um, that guy came in and he was like, you still got that big bench. He said, man, powerlifting is really taking off. He says they have, a, they have something called raw. He says, uh, no, actually it's a couple of years later. Now he said they have something called raw and it's being, it's pretty popular. It's not as big as equipped, but it's, it's coming along. And he was like, uh, you know, your bench press, you know, you might be able to bench 500 pounds. You could be one of the better um, master lifter type situations. And I was like, all right. So we trained for three weeks before that competition. I said, you know what? This would be a good time to get a 500 pound bench press on paper and say I did it. So like if my kid ever asked me like, dad, how much did you bench press? I wouldn't just be telling him like, you know, some random, you know, Will Chamberlain story. It'll be yeah. like something that's concrete. Back in high school, I did so, 315, but I hurt my shoulder, so I can't do it anymore kind of situation. Yeah, that type stuff, you know. So it's like when you hear that, you know, I've always, and the one good thing about most of my life is that, yes, I've dunked from the free throw line and I've done and one and I've hit home runs my first college at bat. I've done all kind of stuff. A lot of that wasn't during a time where you had video. There's no video of me playing baseball. That's why when I shot the baseball videos at 37, hitting 50 balls out, that's on video. Like, so now everything going like from age 32 on up is on video. So if I said I did something, it's on video. So there's no lies. There's no, uh, you know, fake hoopla or anything behind it. Everything I say I've done, it's on video for the most part. When it comes to, when it comes to these competitions I'm looking at, these and I, you know, you you look at your Instagram, Mister Athletic over everything. You look at these records, and you, yeah, here in your story, you mention a lot of stuff happening later than a lot of people would probably yeah. think that it could happen. Um, in terms of like your teenage years or your early twenties, were you always? Were you, did you always know you were this? Uh, I guess gifted or athletic. Um, were there was there ever a moment where you were like, or did you kind of discover this later on? Um, some of the stuff I discovered a little bit later, um, I was always a like, and my upbringing is a little different as well. Um, I grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana, a very rough neighborhood. All my friends are dead or in jail. You know, the whole story that you hear people talk about. Um, I was about five to 200 pounds entering junior high school. So at 10th grade, I was five to 200 pounds. Um, I was a really good kid though, but, um, you know, I was one of those kids who, you know, I wasn't the coolest kid. I was, you know, I just wasn't, I wasn't that, but I could play basketball a little bit. So that was able to, you know, get me through having to fight to go like, you know, in New Orleans, you have wards and um, I lived outside of getting bus tickets. So in order for me to get to school, I had to walk a mile to get to school. But 
you had to walk through like seven different neighborhoods and every neighborhood, if you're not from that neighborhood, you had to fight to get through the neighborhood. So some kids didn't go to school because they would have to fight five, six times before they even got to school. And that's every day forward and back. Um, the fact that I grew up playing sports, I kind of knew people in some of these neighborhoods. So I got a pass and got a chance to go to school or whatnot. And, um, I was able to get on a basketball team and, um, mostly because I was a good kid and I didn't play my 10th grade year, my 11th grade year, uh, something weird happened. I grew like five, six inches, uh, wasn't anything special about me or anything, but our varsity team, we had this coach, he made the entire team quit at halftime. So at a halftime at a game. So the start of varsity or, or, uh, what they call it, um, conference, I was a starting forward on the varsity team when I should have been on JV. And uh, through that time, I wound up getting better over the summer and came back average 20 points, 20 rebounds, seven blocks a game. Like it sounds like some Zion stuff. I won the state dunk championship um, and went off to college, but I was a baseball player. I go to college, I play baseball. Uh, I'm discovering that I'm athletic. I'm, you know, I know I'm a little different, but it's still nothing crazy. I never lift weights. I had never lift weights. I lift weights one day in high school. So I get to college. I'm lifting like 125 pounds. I'm six foot one. I'm 185 pounds. I can dunk from the free throw line. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a little, you know, I'm athletic. But the power aspect didn't really hit until getting ready for baseball. Uh, I started lifting weights over the, the, the fall break or whatever. Come back. I hit like 35 home runs against our pitching staff, which was like the number one pitching staff in black baseball. And um, we wound up, you know, starting the season. I hit a home run my first college at bat, and then I get in a car accident. Basically was hurt, never really got a chance to play. I had a couple of games where I had game-winning hits all within the first 17 games of my baseball career. And then I was like, you know what, I'm never going to be healthy. So I started playing pool. Um, pool is something else that I've done at a professional level as well. Um I, I kind of gave up on baseball because I couldn't stay healthy and just started, you know, discovering that, you know, I was really good at girls and pool. So <laughs> oh, wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. Nice. You can't get us trying to get us canceled, brother. Can't say that in 2020. No, nah, nah, but I, I was I was a, I was a legend. When anytime when people hear me talk, and say stuff, like, if you fought, I was going to say that that's was, well, who'd you say? Chamberlain? No, I said uh, <laughs> yeah. I, was, I said Zion. But, no, no. Before uh, you said- in terms of. You said in, t- in terms oh, of the, the Will record. Chamberlain stories. Will yeah, Chamberlain. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that, that, sound, yeah, that oh, sounds like some Will oh, Chamberlain most right there. <laughs> oh, most definitely. I, like, I always tell people, people like, you think you're a legend at powerlifting. I was like, I was a legend before I even thought about powerlifting. You got to have that mentality. Way before that. Yeah, you got to. <laughs> it, it helps. But if you don't have that kind of mentality, if you train the way I train, and, and I, you know, I don't want to get off topic here, but Yo, a lot of people kind of. Okay. okay, well, yeah. a lot of people misconstrue kind of what I am and how I am. Uh, if you knew me, I'm a little bit different than what it comes off. I might give you the J Mike shit just to kind of see how you take to it. If it bothers you or it annoys you a little bit, or I, I kind of feel you're uptight, I'll do it just to see, just start talking crazy. Yeah. But I train by myself. I, I have no spotters. I'm in here lifting world record numbers every day. So I write stuff on the wall. I'm the best ever. I put 716 on the wall. I put 630. I'm I'm seeing goats. 
I'm I'm chasing down the haters. Like I say all this stuff just to get me going. It, yeah. it, it has nothing to do with what I really feel. Exactly. So I think a lot of times people miss that. But when I talk about legend stuff, that was the stuff that I was doing in the 90s. It has nothing to do with what I did on a powerlifting platform. You, you know? know, it's funny. We were talking to David Shelton um, in a previous podcast, and uh, he, we were talking about athletic or sponsors on social media, specifically for athletes, because, you know, even more specifically with powerlifters. And uh, he had talked about the intangibles, something that mm-hmm. you can be really strong or you can be really good at your sport. But if you don't have an intangible that makes people want to go to your page or pay attention to what you're doing, then it's really hard for a company to justify sponsoring you. And what you just talked about right now, that's an intangible. It's 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 something that you have that maybe you don't necessarily try to 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 put out or, you know, portray, but it's a it's a personality. It's a mindset. It's a. It's uh, it's 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 who you are, but it's not who you are all the time. That's that's kind of like that ability, that intangible uh, ability right there. Well, the David Shelton thing, that was actually pretty funny because I showed them the sponsor thing in live in four, what they call it in 4K. Uh, uh-huh. we, were, yeah. we were walking around at the Arnold and I was they were talking about how they, everybody was saying how they wanted to get sponsored. And I'm like, why aren't you sponsored? And they're like, you know, you have to do this. You have to do that. And I'm like, it's not that hard. And everybody's just looking at me. I'm like, nah, it's really not that hard. So I said, watch this. I said, I'm going to get 10 sponsorships before we leave today. We're going to walk around. I'm going to get 10 sponsorships. And everybody was just looking at me like, oh, my God, who does God think he Wait, is? Hold on, Jay. So you're about, you about, you, you about to tell us on this podcast. The how, secrets. So everyone listening keys. right now, they're getting it live in 4K <laughs> as well. It may, okay, not live. It's probably 1080p, but. They're about, they about to get this, so I want everybody to listen. Yeah. No excuses. No okay, excuses. and this is also and this and also Jamal Jamal Brower Browner. He actually saw a video I did about getting sponsorships, and he actually tried. I guess I don't know if he, I'm not gonna say he tried to use it because he wound up working out pretty well for him. But I had this thing coming in from my other endeavors. I've had shoe deals with Innovate. I had uh, Rain Skates Pro Pro uh, Pro. Damn, what's that? Pro Design um, skate pads. Tony Hawk is sponsored by them. I was sponsored by them. That's a weird correlation, right? That but what I a, found, yeah. what I found is, is if you put together a deck or put together a highlight reel of the things that you're really good at or passionate about, and you're not scared to show someone, like it, you know how hard it is to say, "Hey, can I share something with you?" and and let's see if we can work something out. A lot of people don't know how to get to that point, like walking up to a company you've never seen before. Um, one of the funniest things we see uh, lockjaw collars, right? Lockjaw collars is probably the best collar on the market, like yeah. in t- especially in power. It's either mar- uh, lockjaw or pro. It's, it's lockjaw, whatever. It's lockjaw, right? Yeah. So I go up to them and I'm like talking to this guy about powerlifting, and he just kind of looked at me like, "Okay, yeah, bro, like whatever, right?" Well. A, a year later, the guy contacts me for a dunk video. The guy Steve, who runs it, he didn't even know I was a powerlifter. He was spot. He gave. He was sending me collars because he liked my dunk videos. So my dunking resonated with him, not my powerlifting. That was something that he found out later. You know what I'm saying? But I wasn't scared to show him what I had. So when I showed him the basketball stuff, he liked it. I look at stuff. You have to be. Uh, be able to look at things for what they are. Like when you do something, you have to know if it's badass or not. Hmm. Like I look at it and, and this is kind of how I've been dealing with stuff lately. I bench press 650 pounds. I get 200 views now. Right. And it's kind of hard to look at like, well, damn, is it people just not rocking with me? 
um, is this not impressive? Like, then I look at it, I'm like, well, only four people in the world right now are even benching that much. So it is impressive. So something must be going on. I do a little research and find out that my page is shadow banned. So that's what that's what's going on with my engagement. So I try to look at things objectively in a sense. Like if you see some kid who's deadlifting 315, he shouldn't be trying to get sponsorship. It should be something that's impressive or relative to what you're doing. So if let's say, for instance, you're uh, I'm not good with the, the weight class, but if I say if you're a 74 kg and you're, you're pulling 700 pounds, I would say that would be impressive, right? Yeah, yeah, you can say that. Oh, that's still that's probably, but that's probably impressive, right? You go up to a company, and I would go to a sock company and like, hey man, you know, uh, I really like you guys' the socks. Um, I'm a fan of the product. I've purchased these before, even if you haven't. You always say that you supported the company some way, shape, or form, and a better way to do it is like, hey, my girlfriend um, purchased a pair of these wrist wraps, uh, socks, or hats, or shirts from you guys last year, and I absolutely love it. Um, I'm a huge deadlifter, man, and I would really like to support your company on the platform. Is there anything we could work out? Nine times out of 10, the guy who runs that company is going to hear that. He's going to turn over his right shoulder and grab a pair of socks and give them to you for free. Hmm. Because he he he's one, you're not coming to him without anything. Yeah. You gave him a point of reference or you just tell a tell a company in particular like, hey, I remember when you guys came out with X, Y, and Z. Those are my favorite. I wasn't able to get them. That's why I didn't buy them or whatever the case may be. But we walked around to all these different companies. I can't remember all the companies we went to, but every company we went to gave me something for free and took my information down. I just showed them this little video, like one of my little highlight reels of me doing all this stuff. And I explained to them what it is. Like I used to go viral. I've been million. I had 8 million views with a, a, a bleacher report video where I was dunking with a Vince Carter Jersey and they were questioning, could Vince Carter do the dunks that I was currently doing? And I was 40 years old, 300 and some pounds. And that went viral. So I took that and started flipping it and using it in ways to where I sent it out to Nike. I sent it to Adidas. I sent it to uh, Reebok. I sent it to all these companies. And the thing is, you can't be afraid to to put yourself out there because to be honest with you, if someone watches it, they have to say it's it's cool. Like, man, that's pretty cool. Now, they might not give you anything, but the fact that they acknowledge it gives you momentum and also an understanding of what it is that you're doing. Because sometimes you might yeah. see stuff, you might see something and be like, oh, that's is that is this good? Or is this bad? Like, or what's impressive? Like, I've had people tell me, like, one of my um, mentors, he goes, hey, man, I thought you had a good bench press. He said, I just seen a boy on ESPN bench press 783 pounds. And he said, you only did 619 pounds. And I was like, all right, now. I said, there's right, some how differences much going on here. <laughs> well, no, but this guy, this guy, he played in the NFL. He's an old, he's an old school. He was, he was, he was being, he was kind of just letting me know that there was another level. But I had to explain to him, like, you know, I compete in IPF, USAPL. We're drug tested. I'm also 290 pounds. The gentleman that you're referring to is 450 pounds, depending on how you view it. So, like, I, I've always said this, and, you know, people, a lot of people may not understand where i'm coming from with this i say jen thompson is the most impressive bench presser of all time absolutely i don't care i don't care who it is like it's me julius you know whoever you name if jen walks in and bench presses 325 pounds no matter what you do is not more impressive than that now there's a another bencher 
Uh, and I and once he does it, he can. I believe he can actually make a claim that he's the greatest bencher of all time, Jake Amadola. The moment he goes to a competition at 226 pounds and bench presses 600 pounds, I, he won't do it because he's he's probably a lot more, uh, you know, humble and all that kind of stuff than I am. But I would literally make a case for me being the greatest bench presser of all time if I was him. And you don't have to make it, but I I couldn't say that someone's better than me. Like right now. I think that I can put up a number that can counteract him doing a 600 pound bench press. So if I, I think if I hit a 640 pound bench at 44, 43 years old and under 200, 300 pounds or whatever, mm-hmm. I can make a claim to say that I think that's more impressive than somebody who's um, 450 pounds bench pressing 750 pounds. You know what I'm saying? It's one thing to be stronger. There's something else being more impressive or all things being equal. Because, like, you know, they say, um, I remember I had this conversation with Ben Rice, and we were talking about, like, what do you think steroids give you? Like, what's the percentage? Like, if I took steroids, would it give me 5%? Would it give me 10%? And actually, and Ben actually was like, you can't say. Like, who knows? You know what I'm saying? But let's say it, get, it would give me something, right? And if it gave me 5%, it will put my bench press probably closer to 800 pounds or 840 or something, 820 or whatever. But you can't just say that. You know what I'm saying? So I always like saying it in a way where if you look at who's the strongest, the strongest is the person who lifts the most weight. That would be uh, a Julius Maddox. Right. And you can also make the same claim for him being the greatest bencher of all time overall and all that kind of stuff, too. But there is an argument when you start looking at some of these little variables, like the guy who uh, passed away recently. Uh, the the par- the Paralympic uh, oh venture. yeah uh, the gentleman from uh, I believe it was I don't want to misrepresent I sh- but things like Egypt Iranian or, or, yeah, or, 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 yeah, yeah Iranian bench press so so yeah. I I should I, I mean you can make a claim he didn't have use of his legs and he bench pressed almost seven hundred pounds mm-hmm. you can make that argument and say well if he had legs he would bench way more you know what I'm saying so it's like a bunch of ways you could look at it for me I like the fact that I'm I can be in the discussion of one of the greatest to ever do it. And I didn't take drugs. I didn't cop out and, you know, say, you know, my health is, you know, I'm trying to, you know, watch my trying to you know, reproduce and all this kind of stuff. That's why I got on drugs and all this kind of stuff. And you hear that kind of stuff yeah, when yeah. guys want to push the limit, you know, and if that's what you're trying to do, that's what you're trying to do. But I'm never going to take anything. If I say t- if I start taking drugs, I'm I'm not going to be powerlifting. I don't want that on my jacket. You know? Yeah, I feel you. I think when it comes when it comes to, I mean. I don't think anybody anybody on this podcast does steroids, but uh, maybe an ounce. But um, <laughs> wow, whoa, that, whoa, is, whoa. that is so disrespectful. <laughs> when it comes to uh, when it comes to steroid use, uh, I guess I'm in the camp where I'm like, you know, I don't. I think it depends on the I guess the person's value system. But um, if I see somebody who lifts a lot of weight, I'm just going to look at the weight on the bar. If what what they do to get to that point completely on them like you said taking steroids it may help you five percent may help you 35 percent whatever the case is you don't really have any way of knowing specifically so i try not to put that mm-hmm. in. It's, generally it's probably going to help you um in some way shape or form but I, I always think like you know what man um i'm sure if i got on some gear i probably wouldn't be as strong as that person so i'm, I'm going to just give them the uh the the you know the praise and the, you know the accolade that they deserve but definitely seeing you bench uh all that weight and you doing it naturally, I just think to myself, I'm like, I, I, you know, the training that it takes to get to that point, 
and I know you have like the six wave system, if I'm saying that correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, six oh, wave. yeah, most definitely. So the six wave system that you not only, I'm, more, I'm, I'm assuming, implement in your own training, you're sharing with other people. Yeah, I have a couple of students who've made some tremendous gains. Uh, Marty Agos is probably one of the ones who's who's gotten the most out of the six-way system so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, he literally uh, went from 375 bencher to a 475 bencher in about six or seven months. So you can and share now, Marty, your own. You can share that progression with people. That's which is insane. The fact that you can. I mean, it depends on the person. Depends on mm-hmm. their work ethic. Depends on how much they want it, of course. But you kind of have like. Uh, a, I mean, it's almost like steroids, but it's just training. But you you have a way of being able to share that that progress with somebody. Do you find that that's a, a pretty consistent outcome that you see, like with Marty? And is that not at all? It's not. No, and I I wouldn't even I wouldn't even tell that lie. And I, <laughs> but it was one of those things where I had to learn that. You know, like um, that's why. And if people watch my training right now, my training is all over the place. It's like, what in the hell is this guy doing? He's doing this. He's doing this. He's doing this. The reason why that happened that way is because um, I was running into things like I'm a little bit different. Like you have guys who are wired different. Like you have guys who have different tendon types, different muscularity types where they can handle certain volumes. Certain people can't. Some people cannot have any choice in their programming or training. They need very specific direction. So let's say, for instance, uh, I had a guy where I would give him an option, right? So let's say, for instance, he'll have, um, you know, 500 for 500 for three reps for three to five sets, right? Now, to a person with a normal working brain, for me, if I heard that, I would instantly think or say, okay, um, at three, if I'm starting to wind down, I'm going to shut it down. But some guys see five on the page, and that's all they see. So they just red light it, and they're, they they can't handle it. So you kind of have to take that control from them. So you have to be able to auto-regulate, and every guy can't auto-regulate. And that was something that I learned a little bit later in the process. So now... I sit there and I'm like, okay, um, this person can do X, Y, and Z because you can typically tell, you can typically tell uh, a person's ability to uh, handle programming through the test. Um, I have people run the waves, and the waves will be like, all right, bro, uh, how much? Like, all right, so give me your ten reps, your eight rep, your five rep, your three rep, and your two rep maximums. And I'll take those numbers and then run it through my system. And then when I run it through my system, it gives me the output that I'm looking for. So it'll say, all right, well, you did. Uh, all right. Give you friends. Somebody like me. I did 500 for 10. Right. Mm-hmm. 500 for 10 puts me at around. Uh, I think I'm just like just going off. But let's say it says uh, 500 for 10 uh, gives you a 660 pound bench press. Right. And let's say I have you go. uh 525 for eight that might give you uh let's say six six i'm just this is around them let's say okay. six six fifty right as an estimated let's rep say max. I, yeah estimated rep max and okay. let's say we get to uh uh five reps and let's say five reps is uh five eighty five for five right then we get to three reps and let's say it's six hundred for three right mm-hmm 
and then we get to a double, let's call it 620 pounds. If you start looking at those numbers, if you're on, if you're, if you're really on with your programming, they're going to all be within about 10 pounds of each other as you go through the process and you can take averages of it. And then when you take the averages of you step back and then you work within the averages of what you're working with. So everyone is a little bit different in terms of output. Like, you know what I'm saying? So if, if I'm, when I'm working with people, I'm looking at, I can see someone miss a rep because they're trying to save energy for the rep that's to come because they're looking and they're shooting for a rep. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like a set rep instead of the person that does the RPE or something like that. So I have to be able to look at it, get that information and then build the program around you being comfortable performing the reps. So, so you give them the prescribed if, weight ahead of time? Oh, most definitely. Gotcha. And, and okay. when, so say for instance, so if, if I give you, so I give you an example, this is a guy who just started. This guy's actually, he's actually pretty, he's pretty damn strong. He, he damn near shouldn't even be working with me, but, uh, <laughs> I'll cut that he, up. <laughs> uh, he, but he, he's actually really strong. So like his first week was uh one thirty five for 20, 225 for 10, 275 for 10, 300 for 10, 325 for 10, 350 for 10 for three sets. And um, he's also coming off of injury a little bit. So when he performed his test, he was only able to do, I think he did 370 for 10. But the 10 looked crisp. It was a 10 crisp at 370s. But I brought him all the way back down to 350 so I can build up around those numbers mm-hmm. with the, the reps that get to the top sets and let him grow into that number. And hopefully all the stuff that I have him doing, it carries on to where we can progress past the 370 he did for 10 previously. And typically we always do. But um, I make the adjustments based on like your second days. Your second days might be death reps which are pause reps where you're pulling the bar into your chest between three to five seconds. It's not like resting the bar on your chest. Like if you ever see me putting the bar on my chest, the bar is not just sitting on my chest. I'm pulling the bar through me, trying to bend the bar across my chest. I'm not resting it and all that kind of stuff. There's Mm -hmm. tension the whole time. That's the difference between my, my death reps and someone else's, I guess, traditional soft touch or pause rep. Like a touch and go. Um, Yeah. So it's, it's, it all, and always, put that on there i'll say uh death rep or uh touch and go or sometimes it might be a pause rep but you might be like the bar didn't completely stop but the bar the the intent was there to pause you know what i'm saying like if you see like uh some of the super heavyweights the bar never stops on on their commands like if you watch the lift just like the bar never stopped the bar just keeps sinking and sinking and sinking and sinking and they always get a, a pause command ahead of time so uh I think that kind of plays a part in how you how you come up with all this stuff. Yeah, and it depends on your body type, I'm assuming. No, I was just going to say, depending on your body, like you about to say body type, like I have abs. You know what I'm saying? The bar is not going to sink on me like you're going to see on some guy. I've seen guys that bench press, and they're big guys. The bar disappears. You can literally, the bar disappears, disappears. in their stomachs. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That's yeah, wild. A lot of the, yeah, a lot of the heavyweights are like that. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Like that's hilarious. Also, one <laughs> one one, one quick comment on that, Jay. If anybody was yeah. like, "Oh man, Jason, Mike, he takes steroids." If you look at your, your your head of hair, I think that's like one of the yeah. one of the biggest tells. I mean, again, depends on the person, but most of the most of the people you see on gear, uh, they get like they blow up, and they got you know they lose their hair, and but like you you've maintained, uh a good head of hair throughout your entire training career. 
Yeah. Only thing is, like, right now I'm bald, but uh, by choice. You said that, but uh, yeah, yeah. But I also, like, you know, I'm I don't look 43 either. You know what I'm saying? So it's like a lot of stuff with me. I have I have nice skin. You know what I'm saying? All those kind of things I value. Like I would never take anything. So wait a minute, if I take this, I'm gonna start having the Punisher hair type look. The like I, there's a guy who's very popular. <laughs> He's very popular, very young, and his hair looks like the Punisher from the comic book. Like it, it, looks, it looks ridiculous. He's like really good. Like he has like a million followers. Yeah, he man, looks, it's all about priorities. I mean, he, yeah, yeah. So it's like if that's what if, that's what you want to go it's for. Actually so fun. Yeah, if that's what, like the whole thing with the gear thing, and I, I don't, I don't want to get, I don't want to go too far into that. But like one thing I've noticed, and this is one thing I've said, and I've said a lot of times, a lot of guys who start off in the USAPL, they were okay to trash or trash to okay, right? <laughs> they get on gear and then they become world beaters, right? And what happens is you see some of the popularity that happens with these guys. Some of these guys have terrible, not saying terrible personalities, they have no personality, so. There's there's some people and some guys who if they weren't putting up those big ass numbers, no one would watch them because people really don't want to watch them currently with the big ass numbers they have. Yeah, man. So they won't they won't be as desirable in terms of uh sponsorship or just watching them. Like, like you watch appeal. people's yeah. YouTube. Yeah, like you watch people sometimes. Like I watch people and I'm like, damn, he a cornball. You know what I'm saying? You could tell dudes who never got girls before. <laughs> I don't want, like, like I said, I yeah. don't want to go too too crazy into the life of J. Mike. But like, I'm gonna I'm I'm make this guys, I'm gonna make this an outtake. <laughs> yeah. Okay, because you, you could you could tell, but you could just tell a lot of guys who never had, you know, popularity, girls yeah. like lifting is their know, personality. Yeah, and that, and that's what your personality is. That's cool, but you know, talking to a piece of iron isn't very uh, pleasurable. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So so with me. I can be whatever. Like I, I can be actually believe it or not, I can be quiet, which is kind of weird. But at the same time, I can also be the life of the party. I could be the person that's super cool. Mm-hmm. And also, if I'm around, everybody's protected. Nobody's messing with us. I'm not about to fight nobody, but nobody's messing with us. We're gonna get in and get out where we're supposed to go. We're gonna move around like we're gonna move around. So it's like for me, I just viewed it, I kind of take offense to it in a sense that the the drug side kind of take something from you like when other day i got into it the guy he says you can't tell me you're not on gear because you bench press more than thor man that sounds like and, a YouTube um, brian comment. shaw it was it was a youtube comment and the dude and i said and i i kind of fired back i said don't look at me funny look at thor and shaw harder <laughs> now i said that and i thought was, so all these strongman people started bombing on me right so i was like looking i was like wait a minute i didn't mean that because it really had nothing to do with Thor. It has nothing and to do with Shaw. Them. Yeah, it just was the fact that you're trying to tell me I'm on drugs because I bench more than those guys. It's like they're trying you to know push. What I'm saying? So they're pushing their like their small worldview onto you in terms of being like, I can't cons- I can't fathom the fact that this guy is doing it naturally. So I'm gonna tell him that like it's okay. It like if you feel that way, you can keep it to yourself. But it's just when people on the internet start thinking that they gotta like tell you like they're trying to convince you like, hey, J Mike. You are on gear because yeah, you have to be like, nah, you could just not you could just not be on gear or even like why I don't even understand why it has to be a conversation. Honestly, I just tell the guys, what am I taking? So all the guys that's on gear in the world, none of them bench more than me. So, like, obviously, there's something different about me. Have you seen me jump? Yeah, I've have seen you, all your you, videos. <laughs> yes. I, I stay up late so and I watch all your videos, J. Mike. I'm seeing you. So jump. there's a seen, lot. Of, yeah. So there's a lot of things about me that's just a little different. Like I'm a little bit different. 
so you have guys who are special in terms of talent. Like if you talk to people who've seen me uh, and seen other guys that played in the NFL, they'll tell you I'm the most athletic person they've ever seen in their life. Like the th- I could throw a football 85 yards. This is on it's on YouTube. 85 yards. I could throw a football. I can dunk. I've done all this stuff. I've uh, taught myself table tennis. I I, I damn near bowl damn near perfect game in bowling. Like I've lit. I I if I see if I'm attracted to something. I give it my all. And like over the last year, I haven't, I haven't only I've only squatted twice since Raw Nationals 2019. I've only deadlifted two or three times since 2019. I literally took took this time out to master my bench press. Yeah. Because I was looking at it, I was like, man, I was like, I wonder how popular or how much intrigue I can create if I become the best drug tested bencher ever. Mm-hmm. And that's something that could be uh, accomplished. And what I found is no one gives a damn. Like at the end of the day, it's, it sounds, you know, as much as I, I do the drug free stuff, I do that sometimes more or less trolling because I know no one cares because at a certain point, everyone thinks you're on drugs anyway. Yeah. So like, if you look at it, they're like, there's no difference between you. Like they'll say, uh, what's the guy's name? Power builder. That dude the other day, oh. like, so I was the, uh, uh, what's the name, name of it? Uh, uh, world Atlas. strongest, world, yeah, world strongest. Not, man. not, not, not wait, hold on. You not, are you talking about? Stan no, no. Efforting? The dude name is Power Builder. The dude I'm talking about. He's oh, a his big name bencher. is Power he's Builder. Like, yeah, his name is Power Builder or something. Uh. He benches like 700 pounds. He's 300. He's probably 320 oh. or something. Is he shredded? But he, he, he oh yeah, he looks, uh, yeah, he's ridiculous, <laughs> right? But he also has a huge, he also has a huge deadlift, but. We're technically in the same weight class, right? So dude goes, you're not there's a guy, there's two guys who are around my same size wise that bench more than me. You have James Strickland and you have him, right? Those are two guys that like it's more so him than Strickland. Strickland is amazing, who's benched, I think, 683. We've had our little beefs too, but I respect the fact that he's, you know, put up his numbers. But James is more of a James is smaller than him. Like James is like barely 300 pounds and puts up nice weight. And he he's 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 very good. He's amazing. James Power right? Builder. Yeah, yeah. But Power yeah. Builder, he is like, he is such an alien. Like, <laughs> I know he takes some different vitamins and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Flintstone but and if, yeah. But yeah. listen, this dude literally is benching. If you watch him bench, he pauses two times longer than any other lifter who bench presses because of his technique. He literally lets the weight fall on him. Then when the weight falls on him, he almost removes his hands and then adjusts and then presses. So when people are judging him, they give him the start command. He's not even ready to bench. So it's like watching him lift. It's like if he was able to keep tight, good Lord, no telling what he'll bench. You know what I'm saying? So, He's an absolute alien. And also, there's another guy, James Key. Um, James Key, this dude, he's natural. James Key is a natural. He lifted in the USAPL. He actually benched more than I did. He benched 623. But he did at a local meet. He doesn't even know what he's doing. The dude has 25-inch biceps. The dude is like a freak <laughs> oh, of nature, but he has this weird, he has this weird a thing a deal where he like narcolepsy or something he just passes out he just passed oh that'd be bad during a during a lift could you imagine so peep this out this is actually this is actually pretty it's not funny but it's ironic uh i got him on kings of the lift which you know whatever i got him on there to tell his story because i was supposed to do a podcast and he was supposed to be my first guest 
he wound up going to Kings of the Lift because I mentioned him on there. And his story is crazy. Like the dude had his own trucking company. He wound up running through a wall, like a like got got into a bunch of accidents. He got into like two or three accidents back to back and didn't know why. They they test him at the scene. He wasn't drinking. And they come find out he has this this uh this condition where he'll just pass out. So they're like, oh, you you can't work this job no more. So then he's telling his story at the gym. Everybody at the gym was like, yo, man, that was an amazing story. I can't believe you're able to lift that kind of weight. But hey, bro, you can't lift here no more. Oh, because he because so he told his story. Yeah, he told his story. And then the gyms that he was training at told him he couldn't lift there no more because he was a liability. So literally from that day forth, he has not been able to consistently train. So this dude is like nasty. Like he was doing 630s. Like I just started benching 630 over the last month, month and a half or something like that. This dude was doing this like two years ago and no one knew who he was this dude was like a complete animal like if if he if i coached him or if anybody Take coached off. him anybody i'm talking about anybody wait so he, he, he trains be, him he coaches himself yeah but and he he kind of just doesn't understand like he didn't understand uh <laughs> he is also a sponsorship this is actually i, I don't want i don't want to dominate the conversation but uh this dude is a uh he's a country boy and he was saying he wanted to compete. And I'm like, well, damn, bro, just go to a competition. He's like, I need sponsors. I'm like, you don't need no sponsors. Just pay to go to a meet, get a singlet, wrist wraps. And he's like, nah, I need a sponsor. So okay. he was like looking for somebody <laughs> that's to a, pay that's a for whole the new level of people who don't want to do their first meet. Because we always say people don't want to do their first meet until they hit a certain number. But I never heard, yeah. I'm not doing my first meet until I get a sponsor. Yeah, but you know, that's, but, a, that's the first time I've heard but, that, yeah. But let me tell you why that happened. When you hear people and when you see and hear people have all these sponsors, like, I don't know if you guys remember back in 2016, this is actually pretty funny. Ray, Ray you know, Ray Williams is my homeboy. You know, that's, that's my, that's like, yeah. that's like my, that's like my cousin, right? Ray, <laughs> yeah. Ray, Ray used to do some, Ray used to do some weird shit where he would, <laughs> cause Ray was not very technologically sound. Okay. Uh, he still isn't, <laughs> but he used to record on a phone that looked like it was a potato like the, oh, the footage was so bad <laughs> this was like in he's gotten better phones recently but he used to record and then he would record on the side it was just like always super bad footage to the point where someone sent him a gopro so he could start recording his videos but ray had all these sponsors deal so if you ever went on a ray video it'll be his video he'll say his little tag or whatever and then he'll at like a hundred companies It'll just like each company got their own line. So his his thing would be like five flips of your finger on the phone to get through <laughs> to his thing, right? That's, so that's remember, super old school, yeah. And I and I went to I went to I went to Ray. I was like, Ray, I said, bro, I said, uh, you can you all these people are paying you? And he was like, nah, bro. He was like, nah, they, you know, people just give me product, you know, so you know, whatever the case may be. He, he would and just I remember. remember when he said that. I said, I said, Ray, they all supposed to pay you. I said, these people pay me. If you seen a company that was on my thing, they gave me money. I get money. <laughs> so I'm like, but at the same time, some people just didn't know that that's what they're supposed to get. So then when you see all these, these uh, influencers talk about their sponsorships, 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 the people who are on the outside looking in, they're looking at it like, oh, that's what I have to get. They don't think about the fact that you had to work go those first three years without sponsorship. Mm -hmm. They're just looking at the fact that people have it. So the guy just didn't understand. And also he was he wasn't 
I think he just didn't understand the, the the circumstance. He was like, yo, you know, could you could you coach me? The dude asked me to coach me. At, I watched him bench like he did like 575 for a triple. I wasn't doing 575 for a triple. And he was like, yo, man, could you coach me? I'm like, coach you? I'm like, you, you got to try me? to beat your ass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he literally didn't even know. He didn't even know. So he was like, and at first I thought he was like a, a juice dude. I thought he was on gear. And come find out, he was like, nah, dog, I'm natural. I'm like, what? I'm like, bro, you can't be serious. And he went and passed his USAPL test and everything. I was like, oh, shit. This oh, you know, that wasn't a, a surprise test. That wasn't random when he joined. When he, when he signed up for that meet, that was very much so targeted. Like, we, need, we need to we need to test him he didn't even lift yet they oh, were like oh, we need to test I, him they I, i've been tested like that before where they came to my house they came to my house like on like eight o'clock p.m and then i get to the meet and they test me again like that type thing you know if they're trying to really get you like i haven't been drug tested in a while and i'm like surprised like every day i bench i'm like i hope these people come and come drug test me because i want this stuff documented yeah. like <laughs> i'm on one of the greatest bench runs of all time i want this to be like yo this dude got drug tested but the way the new setup is, I guess they're reserving who they drug test. But I mean, I would love to get drug tested. Right we'll drug now. test you. So, we'll, uh, we'll send you. We'll send you a kid. Hey, um, send, hey, send them, man. Yeah, I man. got P for him. Away. So, so yeah. What, what's your opinion on all that? Because we haven't like we've talked about that before. But what do you think about what the USAPL is doing? You know, in terms of drug testing. Um. From from what I hear and from what I was told is that um, if you're like the the problem. All right. So so from what I've talked to, like, so Bonica's a good friend of mine. Ray's a good friend of mine. Dennis is a good friend of mine. They get drug tested a lot. Right. And it's like you're drug testing the people who have shown over a period of time that they're always going to pass their drug test. That seems like a waste of money in a way. Right. But mm-hmm. if you're going to go at it in a way where. The USAPL is trying to keep integrity and drug test these people regularly and drug test 10% of the lifters and blah, 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 blah. You have to do it under the guidance the way they're doing it now. If they try to do it under the IPF rule that they're trying to enforce, they can't afford to do it, right? So mm-hmm. I think the biggest, one of the biggest issues and also is an issue that I have with the Fed and I'll get into that, but uh, they, uh, they, there, there could be there are ways to get more money, right? The, the the membership fee is not very expensive, like sixty dollars or fifty dollars. I think when I joined in two thousand fourteen, I think I paid. It was two thousand fifteen. I joined. I think it was a uh, thirty five dollars or something like that the first year. Um, and when you think about it, if you're a competitor or someone who goes to the Arnold or goes to National. They put on productions, you know, so I think if everyone had to pay $100, $150, I think people would pay it without blinking an eye, right? So I think you can come up with the money to come up and cover some of that testing cost. Uh, the way that other countries are doing it, these people are like the United States is really the only country that's actually trying to catch the cheaters. A lot of the other countries are enabling the cheaters so that they can cheat. You know what I'm saying? So, of course, it's going to look different. Of course, they're going to want to abide by uh, what the I, you know, the IPF wants them to do. Because if you're able to keep your people uh, in time or whatever, like I think powerlifting is a bigger deal in some of these other countries. Like people think that the lifters over here are on designer drugs, and they got scientists that work for them. I'm sitting up there like, who 
is paying for that. Yeah. To, to no one in the sport is getting, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, shit, uh, there's a handful of guys who are making like that kind of major, like that that major coin. You know what I'm saying? Like I could literally say like my bench press makes me about 50000 a year, right? Mm-hmm. From from coaching and my clothing and stuff like that. But they got a couple of guys who are making six figures off of their ability to win world titles and um, stuff like that. So the guys that are able to do that, they're lifting, for the most part, they're lifting untested. So it's not like they have to even worry about that. So it's like, it's it's just kind of weird. And it's just like, for me, the USAPL does stuff with money. So like this actually happened. Like uh, when I broke the open world record at IPF Worlds in 2018, I did it as a master lifter. You realize I won the world title. You know, realize they didn't give me a shirt that said I won the world title. And I was sitting up like, why they like they said, well, they can't afford to give every Man. master and junior a shirt. That was another reason why I started my company. I said, wait, 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 hold on. So you telling me I won the world title. They didn't post me. They posted the person that once won second place. <laughs> they didn't post me. They 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 actually posted Grant Higa, which Grant Higa is my homeboy. Yeah. But they posted Grant Higa finishing second to me, but didn't post me. I was pissed, right? That's a whole nother story. But then I break the world, I break the open world record, not the master record. I did break that too, though. But I broke the open world record. And they didn't give me a shirt. And then they were like, well, the masters, if that means we'll have to give every master. A shirt, do it, and I'm sitting up there like, yeah, I I make the shirts. It costs three dollars to make these shirts. The shirts, the kind of shirts that they're making, the shirts, they're no way more than five dollars. Like the Gildan, no more, no more. <laughs> yeah, the Gildan, the the terrible. Not, I'm not gonna say that those shirts are terribly screen print. Screen print itself is cheap. It's cents on the shirt for no matter who does your shirt. If you're doing screen printing, it's cheap. I use exotic um, vinyls and stuff like that. That is actually way more expensive. But the deal is, is that I'm like, wait a minute. So you mean tell me y'all don't have the money to give me a $5 shirt? So I'm sitting up there like, I was really pissed off by that. So then when you hear them say, well, the reason why they don't want to pay for um, testing um, because they can't afford it. And I'm just like, well, what are y'all spending y'all money on? You Because know, they said they want to have an overflow of money and stuff like that. I personally think that they should use their leverage to, against the IPF. And hopefully that they'll change their mind. I don't believe that uh, they would risk letting the USAPL walk. That's kind of what I think. I think all of this stuff is pretty cool. Like the benching six, 650 pounds, the dunking, the ping pong, and like all that stuff is pretty cool. But the most impressive thing about J. Mike, at least for me personally, is if you don't know, J. Mike is a father. And I find his... Um, his relationship with his kid is like the most impressive thing for me. If you want to talk a little bit about that. So let's, let's put it like this, you know, um, I did everything right as, a, and I don't want to say it. I'm, I'm saying I'm positioned as like this so that you understand. I come from a city where most of the males are dead or in jail before the 18, that all the stuff you see in these struggle stories from the nineties. I grew up in the middle of that. Um, a lot of my friends had children early on, all that kind of stuff out of wedlock, all that kind of stuff. I didn't do that. I waited till I got married, had a kid at 33, 34 years old, um, you know, did everything correctly. You know, uh, you know, uh, back was been three years now. Uh, my kid was home for the summer uh, with his grandmother. We go to pick him up and we weren't actually going to pick my kid up. Uh, we're actually going to a funeral 
and we had to go down there a week early. So we were actually going to leave him down there for a week and just come back. And as we're driving in, we uh we're pulling up in my 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 girl's wife, my girl's uh family lives on this long block. And you can see this ambulance all the way at the at the corner, like way down, you can see it. And I look at my phone, I'm like, well, damn, it's late as midnight. I was like, they can't be at their house because they were, we'll be getting a phone call. So we just kept driving. And the closer we got, it was like, they're at mama house. And I look and they're dragging my son out on the ground, motionless. And I'm sitting up there like, what? So they're trying to put CPR on him. He's not breathing. He's turning colors. And we're like trying to figure out what the hell's going on. And he's having a seizure. Had no idea what was going on. Um, we find, get, you know, get, get, this, get everything you know, settled in or whatever. We bring him to the hospital and we're like, okay, he had a seizure, you know, trying to figure out what caused the seizure. The next thing I know, they're like, well, we have an emergency brain doctor coming in. We're like, for what? And he had a seizure, you know, whatever. And it was like, nah, it's like, it's in the back of the head, blah, blah, blah. So we went there to, to go pick him up in order to go to a funeral to wind up almost losing our son because he wanted to find out he had a brain tumor in the back on the, on the, right left side of his brain and it just started everything started unfolding like some of the behavioral issues uh some of the cognitive things that you know he was not 100 percent having and he had emergency brain surgery right then and there and um that was 2000 that was 2018 that was right after i came back from ipf worlds um and if you got i don't know if you might not remember but at this time like i was deadlifting 800 pounds. I was squatting 760. Like everything was moving up, benching well over 600 pounds. And that day killed me because I also was planning on starting, you know, get him into sports because I never wanted to push him into sports because of how I am. So I just wanted him to naturally pick it up. But all that stuff just changed our life forever. And um, found out that, you know, he was on the spectrum. We found out a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. all within like a five hour period. So just think, you know, leaving your kid somewhere for a couple of weeks and come find out that you got all this stuff that's going on with them and you had no idea. So when that, from that time forward, you know, he literally was in, uh, he had, he had the open brain surgery. They was able to remove the tumor. They were told that he may not speak again. He may, you know, his, his education level, you may never read, write, you know, all this stuff we're getting this for a six year old kid. Yeah. And, um, as this stuff is happening, it's just like, it, I mean, it just, it crushed me. Like it just like literally deflated me just completely. And, um, I remember him having, we were like trying to figure out if we're going to get chemotherapy or radiation, all that kind of stuff. And we actually went with radiation. He had to do, he did, he did 36 rounds of radiation. He never complained. He, he got up and did the radiation. And every time it was just like, he just watched, he had to do it every day. It was like eight hours a day. We had to go to radiation doctors and all this stuff. And um, he got a chance to ring the bell, like after the cancer, you know, being defeated or whatnot. Awesome. And um, it was like, it was like unbelievable because you can never imagine like you see your kid going to like something that looks like a spaceship every single day for hours. You know what I'm saying? And you're not knowing what the outcome is going to be. So what has happened since and after during that time, you know, it was around the time nationals was coming up. And I was like, I'm not going to the nationals. You know, I'm not doing that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm done, you know? And uh, I just signed with 
a7 and all that kind of stuff and you know people were seeming like they understood what was happening but um my son was just like going do that 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 stuff every day and i was like you know what if he could do that i can do it i can train too so i started training i actually wound up beating jonathan pena (laughs) for second place at nationals that year i put up a 2000 something total and um i'll never forget that after that time, it just was like a huge burden off my 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 shoulders because it just made me feel like he fought. I should fight. You know, I cut my hair off. Actually, I grew my hair. That's when I grew my hair because he had to cut his off. And um, that was like something that was kind of crazy because I always wanted to cut my son's hair. I bought clippers. I bought all this. This I bought a cape. I bought all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I had, I wanted to learn how to cut hair before I did it. And the first time I had to cut his hair was when we had to get his brain surgery. I was a mess. Like it, that crushed me. Like more so than anything, having to cut his hair off because he was about to have his brain his brain surgery, and um, that that was like really hard. That was like one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life to cut his hair for that surgery. And when I did that, I grew my hair out, and I grew my hair out to like kid and play levels. Like I had like a huge <laughs> high top mohawk. That's why I grew it out. A lot of people don't know. That's why I grew it. I grew it out for him. And um, so now uh, trying to get back into everything has completely changed. You know, now my my son is like doing very well in school. He's reading, he's writing, he's drawing. Um, he's a freakishly strong kid. Like he, de- he could deadlift hundred and some pounds. He's nine years old. Oh, he's got abs. Oh my god! Like, he, he is a he got he could jump. 30 inch box jumps when he was six. Like he is a freak. Can he train? But me? he doesn't want to play sport. But he doesn't want to train. So he doesn't want, he doesn't, he's not into sports or whatnot. So it's like I don't push him into it. If he one day gets into it, hopefully he he's able to, you know, want to do it. But um just, just to say that long story short, you know, so my son, he requires a little more maintenance. He goes to a school where he has therapists, you know, tw- like all day like so it's like a very expensive process to do it so it's like we had to make a lot of different um accommodations for that to happen so that's another reason why i put a little more energy into my sport car because i have a you know a huge uh sport car uh collection and i manage that company as well as my clothing company as well so it's like a lot of stuff trying to work from home not like a structured thing so i can make sure that he has the attention that he needs, but he's doing really, really well. And that's also, like I said, I haven't been motivated to uh, to really power lift or anything like that. I've been motivated enough to bench, but the whole situation during that time, and that was like one of my biggest issues with, uh, I kind of want to say this, but my biggest issue with A7 during that time, they were like asking me, so why, why what's wrong? Why are you, Jason, you're acting different. No. I'm like, almost lost my son. They like they don't have I they don't have they didn't have an understanding because they're they're not they're not the typical kind of company. They don't have understanding. They didn't understand that I was going through something. So me telling them, like, do you realize I almost lost my son and I'm at a meet that I feel guilty about being. So after that day, it was never the same with us. And uh-huh. then I wound up leaving the company at the Arnold, you know, the week after Arnold, because they they were just doing like a bunch of weird stuff. But uh, that all that happened during that time. And that was when I realized that that wasn't the place for me, because you're trying to tell me if you got somebody who's almost lost their kid and you're asking them, like, why is J. Mike acting funny? And it's like, wait a minute. Are you stupid? And I, I, I still went and competed and I did well or whatever. But 
after that day, I was like, you know what? I I don't think that I could ever um, work for another company like that because they don't have understanding of, you know, basic human, you know, reaction and emotion and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can, that was the situation. You can look at that from a mile away and realize that, Hey, what maybe we should do is encourage J Mike and see if there's anything we could do for him. Um, And instead of, I mean, instead of judging you in that regard, man, that sucks. Yeah. But it, and and I, I don't want to say they they actually did give me some money. They gave me some money because I had broke the world record. But the work it was like some it was it was some weird stuff. But I I only say this to say that um, they said that I was changing, I was acting funny, and I'm just like they just it, it was it was a weird situation, and it was like I wasn't going to say anything about it. I always let it just slide. But then someone told me they said that they let me go because I was a bad person. No, nah, I'm man. enough to like these nah, people are yeah. crazy. But that was kind of what the situation was. But my son is doing great now. That's awesome. Um, I mean, if he shares, yeah, he's he glad he's yeah. doing well. If he shares a any any, he shares blood with you, so he's already one of the strongest there is. So, um, I mean, not just physically, obviously, but um, from all from all of what you've gone through, and the fact that he's uh, unfortunately having to go through, but fortunately strong enough to to deal with it, uh, it's it's awesome to hear that he's doing better. Yeah, yeah. So he, yeah. So that's been like a a really big uh, a big win, you know, for the most part. And that, and it's been like recent things that have happened. So another thing with that is is every three months we were having to go to a doctor to find out if the brain cancer came back. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So we've done that now for three years, and they've now stretched out the time, and we get scans and stuff like that. And like I say, he's doing better in school, and it's just about it's about like more or less other things became more of a priority. But like I said. Um, next year, like I put a big emphasis into mastering the bench press this year. Um, next year I'm going to do the deadlift, the same thing. Cause I was, a, I used to pull over 820, um, before all this stuff happened. I was a better puller before I was a better bencher. So a lot of people don't know that they think I'm a one dimensional person, but, um, I'm gonna pull 900 next year. So, uh, what's that's, that? Ca- that's what we're what gonna- was that car that you deadlifted in front of? Uh, oh, that's a se- seventy-two Cutlass Supreme. The seventy-two Cutlass Supreme. Are, are you gonna be? Are you gonna bring that back next year? When, or is you got something else that you're gonna? I, I, actually, I, fuck, all right. so that car, that car, that car is like a. It, it probably got fifty thousand dollars in the car. It got TVs in the back digital seat. Dash. Oh, okay. It, it. has every, it has everywhere. <laughs> oh, jeez. The car, the car, yeah. the, the car is ridiculous. But uh, the car got broken into. I got the engine rebuilt. The people who no! did the rebuild wrecked wrecked the car. <laughs> it was just, it was like a bunch. It was just a bunch of stuff. But uh, on the way to Houston, we're was, gonna take it, care of it. Talk my back. We'll figure okay, out who it was, did it. Okay. okay <laughs> so it's it's a bunch of stuff they did with the car. But uh, I'm the car is actually the engine's completely rebuilt. Uh, I just have to get the carburetor adjusted, and the car is back on the road. So uh, everything's done with it. Um, I'm gonna get it repainted. I'm probably gonna sell it for. Uh, my next endeavor is I'm gonna build a, a mini home out of a sprinter van. On the way, hey, say no more. On the way, uh, we'll we'll help with that. Um, <laughs> oh, if you guys know how to do that stuff, hey, I need Abe. I need a solar person. Hey, Abe knows how to do that. I'm so building. Abe actually I'm building yeah. I, I tore down. I tore down a shed in my backyard, and I'm building a garage that I'm turning into a home gym. So I've had to gone. I've gone through pouring concrete slab to framing up the walls to roofing to wall sheathing uh, to gutters to running electrical by myself uh you want plumbing too nah i ain't doing i don't want to do plumbing in the garage because otherwise I'd, I'd live in there it's a detached garage you on the property you on the property yes sir 
Oh, okay. So as long as you like somebody else was telling me they was doing that and they didn't own the property, I was like, uh, that's kind of weird. But uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but have you watched? Have, have you watched any of the uh the be- the people that have the uh van life builds or anything? Yeah, like that? I don't know if you watch this YouTuber Rich Rebuilds, but he's building kind of a sprinter van uh setup where like there it was an old FedEx delivery truck, and he's like going through the process of what it takes to like tear down the inside and like build all the in all the ins and outs of like everything that goes into it even putting like solar panels on the top like security systems oh, crazy doing. oh that's i i got I, I fell into that hole a while ago like i said i have a very addictive personality and anything yeah. <laughs> that i do i have to get the become the best at it or i have yeah. to, and the other thing is i like to do it myself i don't like like you see with my shirt company i could have outsourced the stuff but now nah, i want my hands in it mm-hmm. athletic so over everything apparel almost, aoe apparel right yes aoe apparel and um uh, the other thing is uh, I'm actually going to probably sell the Cutlass and buy my Sprinter or Ambulance. I might buy Ambulance. Oh, really? And those are actually can the best things to convert. Of yeah, you course. can do that. Yeah. As long as they're decommissioned, uh, you can. You this, and this is the thing about it that a lot of people don't know is that there's a, a time where they can only have those in service for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there are not a lot of fires every day. So a lot of times if you're able to find one. They're gonna be like ten years old with like forty thousand miles, fifty thousand miles on. Oh, nice! But if you're, but you have to be able to get one, and they also have a tremendous amount of electric in them already. So a lot of the electrical system is really, really good. You can just and then they have good cabinets and structure. But I'm gonna have shower. I'm gonna have like solar panels. I'm doing the whole joint. So I've been like, you're you're living in it. Yeah, put me to shame. Well, I mean, I also, you know, the the plan is to start going to competitions and setting up shops. So I'll be able to drive to competitions and have all my equipment with me, all my my shirts, my clothing, have booths set up and stuff like that. Because, you know, at some point I do plan on um, growing out AOE a little bit more and um, also doing seminars, bench seminars and being able to travel and not have to stay in a hotel and stuff like that for nationals and stuff like that. I think oh, you're taking it with cool you on the also. road. Oh yeah. I want to actually, you know, do it now. The thing is I hate driving. I absolutely hate driving. So I don't know how that's going to work, but uh, I, I think it's one of those things where I saw people building them and I'm like, I want to build one. We'll so I think around. it's more like, I just, I just want to build it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I'm gonna send you pictures of the garage, but anyways, um, yeah, please do. Okay. <laughs> uh, speaking of, speaking of being the type of the, the type of personality, as we wind down in the podcast, I uh, wanted to touch on something that we had also mentioned um, that I don't see a lot anymore. And I know that you know the circumstances came up uh, with your son and everything, but I wonder if you can give us an uh, estimated open day for Jordan Chase uh, Kitchen. Ah. Oh yeah, I too. I I talked about that last oh, time man but i love like the kitchen the stuff, leftovers like, hit different and everything i'm oh like my what? Gosh. i'm like that's it when, he, like, when you were posting about it uh, you know just the the plates of food that that were you were cooking up i'm like is this a like actual restaurant that he's going to but then like you posted up pictures of you actually like in the kitchen i'm like what's going on here and that i never yeah, i never saw anything that's else. one of my favorite stuff he was posting i thought you were a chef there, before. I you know you were it's funny chef. everybody said everybody says that but nobody was watching it so it's like hey. <laughs> i was getting to the point I was getting to the point. Yeah. And, and also, that, and I, like I said, I've also learned a lot about that. Like I have, I have a bunch of videos with like, you know, hundreds of thousands of views and stuff Dude, like just that. Just get but off Instagram I, and go to TikTok. That's what, you, I don't know if you already have one. Actually, 
I, no, I actually I was going to start TikTok because I think TikTok may actually work better for some of the stuff that I do because mm-hmm. some of the stuff like the dunking, yeah, and absolutely, the quick stuff yeah, that just happens. Yeah. Man, you'd be you'd be mm-hmm. insta well not insta you'd be uh, so, TikTok famous. Yeah, so I, I'm a, I'm actually going to do that. But what happened with the food thing was, um, by trade, my family, a lot of my family members, like my dad's an amazing cook, so I learned a lot from him. Mm-hmm. But I learned how to cook from Bobby Flay's kitchen. Like Bobby <laughs> Flay's thank Bobby Flay did a, a, a Thanksgiving. I cooked his entire menu one year. It was like 2006. It was like three of us in the house. I made like nine hundred dollars <laughs> worth of food. And oh, man, me, I just me and Jay Mike, stuff. we're we're good friends. We're good buddies. So I cooked, but you know, like I said, I got into barbecuing and all this stuff and. The original plan was to do something small, but like as a, as you can see, you don't do nothing small, I'm consumed Jim, by so nothing. So I bought a, I got like competition, uh, steak grill. I have a grill that's only for cooking steaks. Of course you do. I have Kamado Joes. I have smokers. I have all this stuff. So the other thing with me is I buy the best stuff always, so that if it's not good, I can't blame my equipment. That's kind of one of my little build throughs that I have. Yeah, yeah. But the food thing. Um, my family likes it, but the thing is, they're so spoiled with my cooking <laughs> that they don't eat leftovers. Hey, you know what? You can so, send those over to us. I know what you got. I know. I know you're getting that. I know you're getting that, Jim. Like, you just want to send that over to I, CMB boys. We'll take it. Hey, I cook. I cook like when people come over. I always, you know, I, I cook and stuff like that. And that's also what my podcast originally was supposed to be, where guys come into Houston or if they come into Houston, I would we'll go through a bench workout interview and I'll barbecue oh, and then man. do the podcast from there. That was kind of what the concept sounds, was. Sounds, sounds great Barbe- for us. Barbecue and I think, trip look, to and Houston. I, yeah. and look, and I and I think I think it's something that could still work. Um, for the most part, the cooking stuff it was it was more or less. Uh, like a passion. It's it's also hard. I do everything. And also the other thing is like it's not that I'm a loner. It's just that I do stuff on my own time. Yeah. So it's like I'm always the person that's having to film it. I'm the person that has to direct it, has to edit it, has to do everything. So when you're yeah. the person that has to do all those things, it makes it hard. But I wound up buying a robot. I had bought a a, a cameraman robot. What? I paid like fifteen hundred dollars for what? this. Does that even exist? Flying robot? Yeah. Wait, have, what what yeah, Amazon do you have access to, J. Mike? Because nah, Amazon, I is, got, they don't got that. What's, yeah, what's the name of it? Uh, they, they got, they, it's, a, it's a few of them, but I can't think of the name of it. It, it was a fail. But it was this thing where it, it would follow you. So it will zoom uh, in, it'll follow you around and stuff like that. I bought it and it didn't work like I thought it would. But yeah. now I have another one that's actually a lot cheaper. It was like a hundred and some dollars. It's actually pretty cheap. I got it in front of me right here. It's called a... a a P I V O pod. And it actually will follow you around. Like it will, it will, it will track your, your motion. I kind of got so something like that, I had, but it's just, I got something like that, but it's a Roomba that I put a toaster on. Um, and it just kind of <laughs> follows. It gets to me eventually. Well, well this one, this one it's like, it actually works pretty. It's like 150 bucks. And it actually like, this is, this is something I purchased within the last couple of weeks. So I'm going to try it back out on the grill like if it's able to work within like a like where it can pan back and forth as i get stuff off the grill Mm -hmm. or cutting stuff up you may start seeing the videos okay but uh everybody a lot of people have asked about those videos i'm like man nobody was watching that shit and then i was cooking expensive stuff like i don't know if you saw the surf and turf burger yes yes oh yes that was a that that was some good stuff man and the mac and cheese and yes absolutely oh yeah absolutely yes sir i'm starving so more, more to come is what you're saying basically then Oh, most definitely. Most. Okay. I just have to organize okay. my life a little bit better. All right. Well, you know, you but, uh, 
take 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 the time you need. It's not like you're just hanging out, chilling in the meantime. Um, but yeah, yeah. But if you guys ever come down, to, you know, I'll, I'll cook for you. Oh, oh God! Oh, I want to cook with you. I don't. Want, I don't want you to cook for me. I want to cook with you. Wait, where are you guys located? Dallas, Fort Worth. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're almost in Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so Mar- Marty and them always come down here. Every, they come down here every couple of months. See, I don't know we, if you remember this, Jay. We met. We you and you and I actually met. Uh, twenty. I want to say, what, guys, when did we go down to Houston for Summer Power Fest? That we were hanging Houston. Out? Yeah, power. It was one of the power. I, was, I think it was twenty sixteen. You know what? 26, yeah. 2016 Summer Power Fest. It's almost serendipitous. You know, it's funny though, because my girl was competing at that meet. Now my wife, uh, Ruth. And it's funny because, you know, I went down there to support her and, and coach her throughout that, throughout that meet and uh, had a YouTube channel at the time that I was just kind of doing for fun. And Marty introduced us and was like, hey, Abe, you should you should interview J. Mike. And I didn't really I wasn't really I didn't know how to interview people. and I didn't bring my camera. And so I was like, damn, like maybe I don't know how to I don't know what I'm doing. And then like uh, I was like I was walking around. And then anyways, you ended up leaving. And I always thought to myself, I'm like, damn, that would have been like a really good interview like to just sit down with j mike and like he talk about him as i got to know you no know more about you after that but um so it's cool that we kind of came full circle and uh and and we ended up getting the interview at some point people a lot of people don't know that like they think i'm a dick but i'm not i, I talk <laughs> no, you know. no i didn't think you were a dick <laughs> no is, no but some people no, I've, like. I've heard like some people think they they get into the they think the instagram is real like nah, it, nah, I've, nah. I've literally had at, at Summerfest, I've literally was about to bench 600 pounds yep. and I'm helping some kid who's never, he's asking me questions about his 325 pound bench attempt nah. he has. And I'm in there helping them or, you know, talking shop with anybody. You know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. actually super cool, but some people, they don't know. And if, if I feel you're judging me, I'm going to give you the J Mike for real. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it, 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 give- it comes down. Who are you going to give him? What are you going to give him? <laughs> <laughs> what are you what are you gonna give it just it boils down to like the fact that people really when it comes to like uh following people and like having the um having the ability to get a little bit closer to somebody's life without actually knowing them like through social media um you you start getting all, a little bit like presumptuous like oh i deserve to get to know that i when i see him in person i get i deserve to have this i deserve to have that without realizing like you're still a person you're at a meet you're busy you got stuff going on uh it, just because you're not like talkative like doesn't mean that you're a dick or whatever like i feel like people should really uh look at people for what they are and like as a person that has things going on differently day to day you know I, i'm i'm all i'm always down for whatever but i don't take any disrespect any disrespect i'm going off on rants you're gonna see a who, thousand instagram stories you're gonna see you? me oh you mean like on people social media are, pe- I was about to say you people got are stupid. You got no a pretty, one in person. No one in person does. Yeah, it. I mean, you would you say you said two hundred two hundred seventy pounds right now, two hundred sixty pounds. Oh no, I'm like two nine. I'm two ninety two today. Two ninety two. I'm, I'm actually trying to get up to. I'm trying to get to three oh three oh six. I'm not gonna see you and disrespect you. Maybe through social media. If I was, if, <laughs> if, I, <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you didn't know, if yeah. I didn't know, yeah, that's how people do it. But nobody don't want to do that. But no, I mean, no. that's what that's how they do it though. They do it on social media, and that's that's kind of my thing. It's like if you don't be no coward. No. Nah. Like anything I say, I say in front of who I need to say it in front of. Don't be no coward. Yeah, like man. some of these little young kids, I made a post about some of them being punks and like uh, talking, <laughs> talking heavy about like certain lifters who who are legends and and people who are put in like pain. It's like, listen, you're gonna get your time. Some of these kids are super. I said these kids, some of these kids are strong, but they lack the respect. 
for the people who are putting it down before them. Mm-hmm. And you can hear it. And I, I ain't gonna lie, I see a lot with some of the some of the little. I don't want to get. It's gonna. You know, hey, you know, you know, we can talk on. about that. I don't. Nah, yeah, <laughs> we can talk about that all day. But I, I want, I want people to know that. Uh, well, I want, well, what I hope people get from this is the fact that um, the persona, the Mister Athletic over everything, you know that that is that is you. That's who you are. But that's uh, that's in that's what it is. It's a persona. It's not who you carry yourself with when you go to the store. It's not who you are when you interact with your family. Um, you know that's that's your that's your athlete mindset. We always talk about like the yeah, coach athlete mindset. That's that's who you are when you need to achieve greatness. And somebody who's benched, you know what you've benched. You know six hundred and twenty pounds, deadlift seven seventy, squatted seven fifty. You know raw. After I mean when mo- most people are putting up these numbers, maybe like uh, you know twenties, but you're you're doing it. Um, you know near 40 you know what i mean i was in my 40s in your 40s but you were so also like, doing it before you were 40 <laughs> yeah yeah but it's, it's more or less like i i understand that part of it but people see like i'm with it like i i'm a little bit like if you see me people don't know my age sometimes you know what i'm saying like people think and i'm i'm extremely childish and petty like that's for sure awesome. like there's no doubt about it. i'm like super, super, <laughs> super childish super petty and when you hear people say stuff like talking about like i'm a I'm more than just a, uh, I'm a more than a one trick pony. It's about powerlifting. Is about and it's like shut up, up. like I'm part, <laughs> oh, oh, damn, I ain't want to say that. But listen, so so the so the deal is so the deal is is that some people don't know that I'm also a good deadlifter. They think that I'm just benching. Like I I chose to sit out and master the bench. So that's why next year I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna pull 900. So I, this is a good reference point. I said it on this podcast. So next year. I'm going to pull 900 pounds. So there we go. Quote him on that. And hold Everybody, me to it. Set your clocks. I, if I, yeah, hey, I'm most definitely gonna do it. And people are gonna be like, "Damn, I'm gonna have to do that." <laughs> they so said, people are gonna be that. like, "Damn, yeah." That's what they're gonna say. I'm you, that's just what, that's and what then by happen. that point, you'll be, like, be on TikTok a, and you'll be able to post about it. Oh yeah, TikTok. I'm gonna be on a, a tricycle, as y'all called it. A and tricycle. Oh. Off and, <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> that was David Shelton. Um, we that was that, that, was, that was David Shelton. That was funny, but the reason why that was funny is because that that started because my deadlift was actually amazing at that point. I had did 771 right before that. That's when I used to just walk up to the weight and just pick up the weight. And uh, I was beefing with like a whole federation. It was like me versus the USPA Texas. Everybody flipped on me <laughs> and I'm battling an entire federation. It was me against <laughs> all these people. And it was because and the funny and the reason why is and I'm actually I'm I actually regret the why it happened. But I was drug free and I used to tell everybody that I was drug free in a in a in a federation where everyone is on drugs. I had no business being there, but I didn't know that. I thought people were going to salute the fact that I was drug free, but instead they were like, "You think you're better than oh, us?" Oh man, yeah. So in all actuality, I, no, if I would have known about the USPA <laughs> earlier, I would have never even went on that side. So I wouldn't have had that 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 whole thing. And back then, if you realize, I was the second person in the history of USPA Texas to total two thousand with sleeves no one else had ever done it It was bj whitehead was the only person that ever did it so when i did it in 2015 it was a big deal like a 2000 pound total raw was a huge deal now over the period of time the fact that i didn't get a chance to keep using the deadlift bar because i was really good with the deadlift bar mm-hmm. that kind of stunted where i was going to go but people kind of forget that so instead of people cheering me on everybody was like oh 
yeah. that guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, well, I mean, yeah. you went, you went, yeah. okay, you did, you pulled 705, your first USPA meet back in 2014. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then, but you, but you, I mean, you've pulled more than that. You've pulled 771. Uh, I mean, you pulled uh, 730 in the USAPO meet, Ron Nats, uh, 2018. Yeah, I pulled, I pulled seven, I pulled 750 in Russia to win. I won the Masters gold. Yeah, so that part seven. didn't hold you back too much. Yeah, uh, but I was pulling eight something when I did that. You know we, what I'm saying? So, we don't talk about that though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a little bit different. But also, I do the jump and rip. I jump in the air and I land, oh, and and the bar doesn't move when you use the stiff bar, so it kind of throws off your whole shit. So see, that's the, that's, the, about that. that's the advanced technique. Yeah, yeah. Y'all, y'all, y'all try that at home. We're gonna pull 900. Is it gonna be the jump and rip? It's gonna it's gonna be nine hundred for sure with a if I ju- it's gonna jump and rip with a deadlift bar in the sprinter van okay. with a yeah but yeah oh that'll be awesome oh put a deadlift but, uh, platform in the, in the van <laughs> hey I, I'll do it but it's I think it's just a matter of me being focused on something if I'm able to like really like just say this is what I'm gonna do I'm gonna do it everything I've ever said I wanted to do like hey I want to jump I want to dunk from the free throw line I want to hit my head on the rim I want to do all these things. If I take my time out to jump 66 inches over a pole, if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to take the time out to do it. Like this year, I said 700 pounds. I wrote 300 kg on my wall a year ago playing. Mm-hmm. And I did, actually, I did, I benched a 300 kilo. I didn't post it because I did a documentary for it. So there's a documentary that I'm working on, like finishing the edit on about me getting to 300 kg is going to take the story all the way full circle how i got here so that's why you're going to start seeing clips of things that i've done the miss the miss reps the miss lifts uh getting hurt in competitions you know i bombed i didn't really bomb out. i was hurt when i tried it but i actually bombed out uh the arnold you know all these different things to get to that 300 kg and then when i got there was nothing there because if i posted a 300 kg bench right now i might get 200 views so I'm not even gonna waste the footage. I'm gonna <laughs> wait till I get my my algorithm working again, and then I'll post it. But uh, like I said, I got a lot of stuff going on, and uh, I think next year is gonna be a big year. If if, if I because I'm also I'm also in talks with a huge company, like one of the big companies, okay. uh, about sponsorship. So if that goes through, you're gonna see a lot of stuff happen. If if that goes through, but you know. You know, okay well i mean every on that we'll, we'll we'll end it on that everybody stay tuned for that uh jason mike thanks so much for being on the podcast everybody go check out mr athletic over everything on instagram at mr athletic over everything uh go check out athletic over for some sick homemade apparel that is honestly some of the best out there i'm not even just saying that but like the designs and the and the quality on it unmatched and also, if you mention the fact that you saw this on there, you'll get a free pair of lockjaw collars with your order. What? There you go. O- over fifty bucks. Everybody else. There you go. Everybody, get out of here. Uh, Jay, anything else you want to plug? Anything else you want to drop for everybody listening? No, that's pretty much it, man. Um, AthleticOverEverything.com. Uh, if you're interested in bench coaching, I believe it may be on sale right now. Twenty percent off. It's not cheap uh but it's the six wave protocol um i also may be doing a uh uh not cookie cutter but a uh eight week bench program a template that goes along with the shirt so it'll be a shirt and a uh program that may be coming out may not be coming out listen to us every tuesday wherever you listen to podcasts also hit us up on instagram at chalk my back 
J. Mike, again, thank you so much for being here. Have a great rest of your week. That's it. But uh, I hope I hope this was useful. I mean, I'm not sure how good this was or not. But uh, I mean, you were involved. I hope you guys oh, enjoyed it. Was it. Great. I mean, no, this is awesome. Yeah. This, this is like podcasts are pretty great. Yeah. Anas, Anas knows what he's doing. All right.